it's rattling. I haven't been able to track it down. And yeah. I had to move a bunch of stuff around in my closet. So it's probably just someone who's like, you know, there to kill you. So, you know, probably really too much. Yeah. They'll wait till the show's over. So at least we got an hour. Yeah. It, yeah. That's the polite <laughs> thing to do. Yeah. Yeah. They're not going to do it live. Um, count anyway, on it's that. It's a pre show where we talk about what we're going to do on the show. I bought a bunch of dioramas the other week. Like, I'm, I was really drunk when I got them. And I guess I didn't measure them right because I don't have any room. These dior these dioramas for Joe or for Transformers or yeah for GI Joe and you can use them for for both really hmm. you know yeah I guess like generic battle scene just like exactly throw exactly. like some like sheet metal and like screws and stuff and it could be Transformers then I guess yeah big in the other way yeah yeah it don't matter but um and we got a pretty good show we'll talk about some I'm sure you're gonna you you saw Quantum Mania we'll talk about that I did see Quantum Mania yes yeah, so we can talk about that. Cool. We got it's really just a bunch of quick hits and then just a job at quick at Kickstarter that jumped in that is available. But mm. double dose of food news, it's snack related. And then yeah, a pretty damn solid week of of comics. Yeah, That's a lot of good stuff. Yeah. yeah. Um anything else you want to add to that? Nah, it sounds like a full show to I me. No, it sounds like a full show. Um Man, I really, I, I should have busted out the dioramas just so you could see them, but damn, it's nuts. Maybe they're haunted, and that's what's making the rattle. Maybe that's sound. what it is. Yeah. Maybe that's what it is. It's a two-foot-tall fucking building, dude. It's giant. It's giant. I had to rearrange my entire room almost, and it was not fun. But I'm going to play with them as soon as the show is over. Well, that sounds fun. I know. Uh, all right, let's do the damn thing. Very apropos. Mm hmm. this week. Sheer fucking hubris. I love that because State 2020, like, uh, you were really wrong there, oh, lady. What is that from again? That's from Picard, like, season one, episode one. Okay. Yeah, that's when he goes inside and do all the stuff that he ends up doing anyway. And the atmosphere is Another episode of this week's comics outbreak, Eagerest Comic Book Shit Talk Show. Shit Talk Show. Homer and Taylor Hour. Uh, thanks, everybody. We were off for a week due to the superb owl and some family shit that I had going on. That's actually still going on. I've got, mm. I, I still got three kids here that are extra kids, you know. Uh, but anyway, I digress. Uh, segment one, what we do this week, I watch Picard. Season three, episode one, it might as well be TNG 2.0. It's awesome. It's great. So many little Easter eggs here and there. Well, yeah, there. they're being very upfront with the promos and everything. Like, hey, you want uh, characters from Next Generation? Well, you fucking got them. Yeah, you just want us to do a full nostalgic freaking reboot, basically. I do, of this? yeah. Then we're just going to go ahead and do it. We'll yeah. go ahead and do it. Well, Picard has been more than that. We shouldn't be disingenuous here. But, like, oh, yeah, yeah. They, are, they are really going all in on the TNG characters this season, yeah. I am stoked about it. They had LaForge's daughter at the con. If you remember, that's where he started, you know, in his early days, season one or two or whatever. But oh my gosh, so great! Uh it's my, it's not, it's not my favorite track, but it's my, like my first one. You know what I mean? It's the one that I fell in love with. You know, that made me a Star Trek fan. There's other tracks that I think do better a job at certain things, but pound mm -hmm. for pound, TNG is my favorite track. It established so much that can never be changed. You know what I yeah. mean? Yeah. I mean, if the if the original series was groundbreaking and it was, it was. TNG built the foundation. Well, like TNG is like let's take everything that's groundbreaking about the original series and let's give it a budget. Let's yes, and <laughs> you know, build let's on it. Yes. let's hire some like you know let's hire like a more robust cast and. Not to be mean to the, the 60s guys or anything, but the acting is a lot better in TNG. Yeah, and I mean, it's just... Yeah, it didn't have a budget. It I mean, it was it was, it was a network, like, you know, not I want to say sitcom, but it was like network TV drama, you know? So, like, you know, they, they made the show they set out to make, but People I just feel like they had a... For that reason, yeah. I feel like they were aiming higher with TNG, you know, and they hit Yeah, it. for sure. Especially in those later seasons, you know, once it got sure, through yeah. its beard, which was coined for that show anyway 
Quantumania, I didn't see it. I read all the spoilers, so pretty solid. Uh, the critics didn't really seem to care for it, but the I'm not really sure been, why. The audience scores have been pretty damn good. Um, I would, yeah. I mean, okay. So this is, I. So are we are we done with segment one? Or are we just talking about this now? Well, this is your segment one. I thought. Oh, okay, fair enough. Yeah, well, well, you yeah. can do another one. You can do as many as you want. I talked you about know, cardboard you know, buildings in Star Trek. It's this. It's this. I didn't do anything else we're talking about. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I should start off by saying that I think that this is like a a mid tier Marvel movie. Sure. Like it's not up there with like you know your Black Panthers or your Winter Soldiers or something but like both that. Both Ant Man movies before this were as well. They were I would above say so. Average. You know. Yeah, I would say so. And yeah. so overall, I thought the movie was very good. Um, I enjoyed all the the sights and sounds of the quantum realm. Um, I thought that it had some good action, some good uh, interpersonal dynamics, and yeah, Jonathan Majors once again is just fuck dominating his screen time here you know yeah and like he is really good in this and big I, twist <laughs> you know at the end that leads to everything is the council of everything you know we get a bunch of different <laughs> scots that's a huge spoiler but not really there was a snippet of that that was in the trailer that's yeah yeah but i mean there's like a council council of kangs now uh running yeah around. i mean right you to see him as uh is yeah. Tut as in as a uh, immortus and i didn't recognize the last one was that like centurion maybe yeah i, I I'm not really up on my Kang lore. I'll be honest. You it's hard I mean? to keep track of all the Kangs because there's just so goddamn many there's Kangs. There's so many of them. There's so but, many. Of them. Um, but yeah, I mean, this is feeding right into and actually feeding out of what happened in Loki season one. And then yeah, it's going to feed into Loki season two in a big, big way. And I I really love that aspect of Yeah, the, the second post-trailer scene is like a direct lead in into Loki season yeah. two. So that's really cool to see. I actually went back after I got back from watching this yesterday. I went to go. I went and rewatched that episode of uh, Loki, mm. the season finale from last year, and it was. It really drove home just like how good a job Jonathan Majors is doing because He Who Remains and yeah. Kang are so different. Right, they both right. like have such a commanding screen presence, but for completely different reasons. Like you know, He Who Remains is like he's this goofy fuck who just it's like. He's seen this movie a million times and he's making jokes about it while he's watching. He's doing a riff tracks on something he's seen before, you know? Yeah. yeah. And then like Kang it just shows like the the range of of Yeah, it dude. does. And like, yeah, yeah, Kang is someone who you are not going to be fucking with today, you know? Yeah. But That's awesome. I will say that it does not have sort of the quirky charm that the first two That's, Ant-Man movies that had. That was the point I was And so if, if you're going in looking for that, they really just fit all that into like the first five minutes. And then after that, they just kind of leave that behind. This is Ant-Man sort of growing up a little bit. It is, it is. And I saw fine. a good point that like Ant-Man was the character to use for this in a lot of ways because it does kind of fit in with the whole thing where like, who's the character that Kang would underestimate the most and thus has a best sure. chance of actually pulling this off. Sure. And again, they don't have a lot of people left. They don't. Um, you know, Tony's dead. Is... Steve's dead. Um, yeah. You don't, out, yeah, yeah, you don't want um, like Sam Wilson's first crack at Captain America being setting up the next big bad, because that does command a lot of screen time in this movie is just hyping up Kang and making us understand that, you should be worried about this council of Kings that's coming through, right. you know? Right. I see it as a different thing. Yeah. It's not your, it's not Ant-Man one and two. Okay. This is Ant-Man. Like I said, growing up, but becoming a bigger part, a more important part of the overall MCU. I think that's a big idea. They mentioned incursions in this, which is rad. Uh, I mean, that's the next big threat, you know, is going to be. Yeah. They seeded that in Dr. Strange and yeah, we're yeah. going to be seeing more of that here. It seems. Um, I will say that, like, when we did get, like, the little quirky charm in the first five minutes, it was cool. Like, yeah. it was neat seeing Scott and uh, Jimmy Woo. They actually are, like, apparently buddies now, and they hang awesome. out at dinner. That's so great. That was cute to see. Yeah. It was a shame yeah. we didn't get any of, um... Oh, I can't remember Louise. his name. Yeah, we didn't get any of Louise in this movie. Yeah, uh, they weren't in there, and... Not at all, yeah. There's always an opportunity for them to come back in another Ant-Man movie. Sure, sure. But... Yeah, that's weird, dude. Oh, and I guess that's, really that's something that's worth uh, that is spoiler territory there. That um, yeah, people were like, "Oh man, Ant man's kind of totally gonna die in this movie." He doesn't. Yeah, he doesn't. They not. all make it out. They're fine. Yeah, everybody's fine. Everybody's great. We learn that there's like all kinds of different Ant Mans, and all yeah, it's it's wild. It's wild. And again, I have not seen it. 
I just read like three or four spoiler articles on it. Hey, Andy, how's it going? Thanks for stopping by. Hey, Andy. Love, love Andy. He handles the group over there on Facebook. You should check it out. The Outright Geekery group. Uh, let's go ahead and do the news. It's just a lot of comic quick. <laughs> Uh, if you are looking for a job, Kickstarter is hiring a new comics lead. Uh, apparently, the the category has surged um, to thirty one million dollars in twenty twenty two. That is nothing to shy away at. That is big, big dollars for a place that is basically the home to creators who are the most independent creators that you can find they're the ones out there doing all the work themselves all the promotion hiring the artists hiring the letterers um making these deals so that they can get their stuff out to people and it's really nice to see that kickstarter is putting a focus they did have a director of or that's the name of the job the director of publishing and comics outreach um Okay, no, no, hold on. I, I misspoke. That was the name of a previous position. Director of Publishing and Comics Outreach at Kickstarter. It was Oriana Leckert. But she was shifting her focus to publishing and hiring a, a replacement in the role to oversee the comics division. So it's really going to be kind of a title change. But it's still going to be basically you are the comics lead at Kickstarter. You manage and curate Kickstarter's comics categories um, with a whole lot of other duties that I'm not going to outline here. One thing I did learn that Kickstarter gives preference to people who have had success with Kickstarters in the past. I felt that was kind of, I don't know, well, off mission a little bit. You well, know what I mean? from like a business standpoint, I suppose that makes sense. Yeah, you know, you it, want you to understand where I'm sent. What I'm go saying, with the like, I absolutely see. Yeah. yeah, because like if you're looking at Kickstarter as an opportunity for people who have been turned down everywhere else, and like their last recourse is to go to the people themselves. And like, if enough people think this is a good idea, then, you know, yeah, this or dream that, can or, come true. Yeah. You know? Or not that is they want to be competitive in their own right. That's the thing yeah. I see about Kickstarter is uh, the harder you work, as long as your product is good. And that's, that doesn't, you know, differ in no matter how you're selling your fucking comic, if it's good, it's going to be good. But it's my understanding that, or at least my feeling, like the people who are on Kickstarter, the harder they work, the harder they push their book or whatever they're selling, the more promo and the effort they put into it, they're going to get a result. But it seems weird that Kickstarter would like put other people, you know, ahead just because yeah, they I mean, had success. If any place know. should be sticking up for the little guy, you think it yeah. should be Kickstarter. Yeah. yeah. Uh, anyway, there's a salary, uh, 120000 to 140000 a year, which is great. Yeah, I mean, six figures. Yeah, that is great. Um, so you manage and curate the comic category. Um, they want, and this is just the surface, you know, helicopter level shit. Eight years of deep professional experience working in the comics community, including a network of connections in comics and industry knowledge about how creative work is funded. There's a whole lot more, but man, I know dozens of people on Facebook who fit this bill. You know what I mean? Just from mm. making connections in comics and shit like that. Well, it could um, be a cushy gig for someone, sure. Dude, if I still had outright geekery and it would have went in the direction that I thought it was going to go, I might just throw in a resume for this. You know, now I don't have any publishing mm. experience or anything like that, but I know how to talk to creators. You know what I mean? It's, and that really is what it feels like to me. It's more of like a community sort of moderation in a way. You know, you're yeah. curating the comics category. I, I don't know. Anyway, uh, this is the best part. They got full insurance, whatever, but fully remote and 32-hour, four-day work week. That's the dream. Yeah, the I mean, dream right there. That's uh, that is. There's a lot to be jealous of there, including yeah. that uh, that schedule and that uh, salary. Yeah. So it was a really light week for news, and I thought that was a fun one. Um, yeah. Put your resume in, everybody. Uh, moving on, quick hits. Uh, Fury number one. Al Ewing, Scott Eaton, Tom Riley, Adam Kubert, and Ramon Rosanas. Very weird. It's a one shot. May twenty fourth. Sixty years of the comic book character Super Spy. Um, it, it's a thrilling saga across Nick Fury's storied history. It's a double-sized anniversary one-shot. If you look, it's really covering... Yeah, we got uh, Howling Commandos Nick. We got uh, yeah. like classic uh, old-school Nick. We got 
Um, what's his name? The, uh, the guy on the wall or whatever. Yeah, the guy on the wall. He had a name. I can't remember the it right stranger. now. The man on the wall. The man on the wall, whatever his name was there. And then yeah. we got um, the modern MCU-inspired Nick Fury. Yeah, I love that. Nick and Fury Jr., I think, is who he is, is in the exactly comics. exactly what they call him, yeah. Um, each artist is going to tackle a different period, just like you said. Kirby and Lee, Sergeant Fury and the Commandos. President Day as all-seeing man on the wall. But the best part of this is it's going to give rise to more Nick Fury shit. Like, this is mm. going to change the status quo for the character. Well, um, I'm sure that they're looking to give the give people something to read if they're a fan of the Secret Invasion show, you know? Yes, there's a Secret Invasion book that's out right now with Maria Hill, written by Ryan North. It's and there's also that Secret Invasion uh, TV show, of course, that's coming out soon. Yeah, exactly. And that's what I mean. So, yeah, why shouldn't they push Secret Invasion, you know, in the books? And if Fury's going to have his own little thing going on on that show. Yep. Low-hanging fruit, man. Low-hanging Al Ewing's fruit. a good choice to write it, too. I mean, um, he, just this week, he uh, had that issue of Wasp, and, like, you know, he wrote all those issues of Ant-Man. So he does have an eye for, like, curating these, like, Exactly. Characters who have a lot of history, you know. He can see little points in the in the character's history and be like, I can link all of these. And the only person I can think of, Mark Wade is also particularly good at he that. Is. But yeah, like Al Ewing also like with like his Defender series and everything. Like you know, yeah, he is a guy who he fucking knows the goddamn history of the Marvel yeah. universe. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Uh, moving on to DC, Marvel. That's the wrong article. Dawn of DC gives rise to three new Asian-themed superhero series in May. This is going to be spinning out of Lazarus Planet um, and the Dawn of DC. That whole thing they got going on, you know, where they're putting out new books, revamping books. It's a big year for, for DC Comics. Anyway, this is just in time for AAPI Heritage Month in May. Spirit World number one of six is May 9th. I guess I got these in reverse order. My bad. Uh... <laughs> uh this is going to be first seen in the Lazarus Planet Dark Fate Spirit World features Xanthi, a non-binary Chinese hero with the ability to travel in and out of the spirit world. Uh, that could be, be an interesting premise. Yeah. Like it could have like a Doctor Strange angle, right? Where like yeah. we get to go to like n- like weird, trippy ass places, you know, and everything. Yeah, uh, just from the cover it, with the sword, it's unmistakable. It's like you know a magic from the X Men sort of ring to it, going in and out of worlds, and I don't know. It, it still seems cool. Uh, Alyssa Wong's writing it. Uh, Haining is the artist. Just Haining? Haining is mm. the name. I'm not sure who that is. Um, they they were, did some work on Deceased, though. So, Xanthi forms a reluctant alliance with um, John Constantine to rescue Cassandra Kane from a horde of Chinese hopping vampires. That does sound like something that would be in Constantine's wheelhouse, yeah. Yeah. Uh, the next is The Vigil. That's also a six-issue miniseries, uh, May 16th. Um, a mysterious te- This mysterious team of South Asian metahumans made their appearance in The Next Evolution Number 1 as part of the Lazarus Planet event. It was just okay. And can be seen again in issue 107071, A Detective, written by Ram V, an art by Lalit Kumar Sharma, who actually did some work on uh, Marvel's Daredevil. I don't know if I remember that work. But I can't place it, but yeah, me neither. Yeah. Anyway, the vigil is Arclight, Saya, Dodge, and Castle, a group of individuals given powers they didn't want, determined to stop metahuman research and tech created for military application at any cost. So it sounds like they just some run of the mill metahuman terrorists trying to yeah. do what they can do. I'm struck by like three of them look like, you know, they're all full like ninja garb. They like fucking snake eyes up there. But then like there's just yeah. some dude with a pocket protector. Yeah, he's my favorite already. I can, <laughs> tell. I can tell already. He's just going to be the best one. And then lastly, City Boy number one, May 23rd. Uh, this is DC and Wildstorm fans have been introduced to the Korean superhero Cameron Kim, a.k.a. City Boy, in the 30th anniversary special and Lazarus Planet Legends Reborn number one. He's just a kid trying to make a living using his powers of speaking to cities Okay. to find lost and hidden goods to pawn. Just trying to get by. But having That's an powers, interesting it idea. Is, it is. You could those are so like you I don't know. They're uh, I don't it think so it's going to be complex, but yeah. it's still so easy. You know? I don't think it's going to be this, but I remember an issue of Sandman where like, you know, the idea that like cities were 
had like a soul. Yeah, they have a soul and they dream, and that's how it came up in Sandman. Yeah, I remember that one. I don't know if they're going to go that route or anything, but you know, he can talk to City, so it kind of sounds like what Manifold does with the universe in some ways. It's very complicated. I love it. There's so much potential there. Maybe that's why I, I moved these around. I didn't move them around in the announcement. I moved them around here so I could announce City Boy last because it sounds the dopest. All of these sound pretty interesting. Um, Spirit World, I think, could... It sounds like kind of the most straightforward premise, but that's not necessarily right. a bad thing, you know? Right, right. Like, just goes to do magic shit. Has a lot of legs to it, you know? Yeah. And City Boy does sound interesting. If they hit it right, that could be really cool. And oh, I see Greg Pak is writing it. Yeah, that's, that's what I was about choice. to say. Uh, written, written by Greg Pak. Uh, Minkyu Jung is going to be the artist. Um, and Sunny Go is yeah. also going to do some work. Some good creative teams. I noticed that Ram V on the uh, on the vigil there. Yeah, dude. Yeah, it's going to be cool. So, yeah, I, I'll give all of these a shot. I'll give all of these a, a look at least. I'm de- I think I'm going to fall in love with City Boy, honestly. Greg Pak is really smart, and I think if he can work that power in a way that really sells the the, the uh, character yeah. over, that yeah, that's what's going to win me over. Yeah, that I feel like City character. Boy, like it's all going to hinge on like how that power functions, you know, like how they present. Yeah, like if he it, just like, walks up to just... a bench and he's like, "Hey, what's up, bench?" <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that'd be a fire hydrant, yo. What's kicking fire hydrant? You know, that's not that has a high ceiling, but also like a low floor. So we're going to see how that goes. Right. It'd be different if he just walked out and like could hear just like a hum, you know, I don't know. Greg Pak has a handle on it. He's a good writer. I'm confident he's going to do something good. Uh, Moving on. Another Star Trek IDW, who is the tragedy of IDW stripped of of some of the best licensed comic books you know on the planet still haven't found a home for transformers or gi joe it's the one thing where i'm on fire about it every time i think about it mm. um but anyway a new miniseries featuring the original crew of the enterprise mark guggenheim is going to do the writing Oleg chudakov is going to do the art it's called star trek the motion picture echoes five issue miniseries it's set immediately after the events of that 79 film it arrives in comic shops this may uh that's a pretty good idea yeah. you know to fill in gaps star wars been doing that that's that's every fucking star wars comic in the history of time yeah so that's a good idea i think for star trek to do something like this that could be a lot of fun um, it pits but um, the- looks oh, like we caught McCoy in his bathrobe here, though. I don't remember that look for him in the movie. No, I kind of remember that. I love it. Love I'm sure it is. I guess I just don't remember the movie very well. But yeah, that 70s and 80s shit. Oh, I loved it. Uh, Echo pits the it pits the Captain Kirk and his crew against enemies both terrifying and familiar. There's an anomaly. It pushed a Chris- criminal mastermind pursued by a very determined pilot on a mission into our universe. The Enterprise must stop them from unintentionally starting a war with the Romulans and unleashing a super weapon. But when they go to take off their helmets, it's actually doppelgangers of the Enterprise crew. Oh, shit. So they just spoiled like the, the first fucking issue, you know, with the solicit. And that's fine. Whatever. You know, Whatever. Uh, I read everything Star Trek. Doesn't matter what it is. I adore so it. it's doppelgangers, not like mirror universe counterparts, maybe, right? But like something maybe. else. I don't know. Maybe they are going back to that well. It's a, it's still a really rich well, man. I mean, they just recently used it on one of the best Trek shows ever made. You know? Yeah, I saw they just they're just now wrapped up that like TNG mirror universe shit, right? Uh oh yeah, that was really good, and that could be continued. That could that could live on. I hope yeah. it does. It was very, very well done. Yeah. Deep Space Nine actually explored the Mirror Universe more than anything else track. Well, yeah. I mean, it it's so well. It's one of the more iconic episodes, but it was just that one episode in the original the series. Original. Yeah. TNG yeah. never touched it. They never did. No, that's yeah. what that's what made the comic so interesting. Is that yes. like that's the first time we ever saw like Mirror Picard and all yeah, the rest. Yeah, dude. Yeah, Mirror Data in, incorporating Borg. Borg out. Oh, yeah. Wild. I mean, it was so good. So good. Anyway, moving on. Pathfinder comics are back. Fred Van Lent pre- presents Wake the Dead. These are going to be over at Dynamite. I mean, props to Dynamite, dude. They have all the Disney stuff now. It's like this whack Disney weird shit. With the gargoyles, with the uh, uh, Darkwing Duck, they're now getting a Scar book. It's like a spinoff from the Lion King. They're getting a Scar like prequel book, which is so freaking weird. 
Um, but yeah, good on Dynamite to reach out into these little weird niches and, and find books to sell. Um, he's uh, Fred Van Lint. I mean, one of the best art, uh, writers of all time. He's amazing. I mean, he's just great. Iman Casalos is going to be doing the art. It's going to be bringing Dungeon Master-esque storytelling to the page. Uh, there's some variant covers too, but uh, Fred Van Lint is apparently a big, huge fan of Pathfinder, has been playing it for years, and like is really excited to, to get this book. So I love these kind of stories. I, I don't know much of anything adventure. about like Pathfinder lore. I mean, for that matter, I don't know much of anything about D&D lore, at least very yeah, minimal. And except the stuff you made up. Well, I mean, like, yeah, D&D yeah. and Pathfinder, for that matter, are both games where, like, you could go to, like, the officially published, like, you know, campaign settings and books and stuff like that. But most of the people I know just make shit up. Yeah, and there's nothing wrong with that. That's there's nothing wrong with that. that. No, that's part of it, you know? That's a yeah. big part of it. But I was just saying that is, like, you know. imagination. But I have also, no idea what this is going on with here. Like wake the dead is all sure. I'm saying, you know, but I mean, there's also something to playing in a world that, you know, and you can explore in. Yeah. Like, I mean, there's definitely non, like pros yeah. to both. Like I am playing, I'm a player in a campaign right now that takes place in like a um, water deep, which is one of the official D and D settings. Yeah. Um, and there is something to be said because like, there's a level of detail to that, that, only someone who has like way too much time on their hands could come up with, you know, like, right. or who's getting paid for it. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, there's yeah. definitely trade-offs here. Uh, and the but, great thing about that is because Waterdeep is also been a setting in a lot of the novels and a lot of the yeah. video games in the comics. And you can go and revisit these places where you've been and you're like, Oh, I I've been there. I've been to that inn. I've seen that guy. You know what I mean? There's little things yeah. there that they throw in. That's, a really fun angle, but uh, lastly, in the news, real quick, TMNT versus Street Fighter has been announced. Very low hanging fruit. Perfect. This is yeah. This is Perfect. one of those ones where like I'm surprised they haven't already done it. Yeah, uh, it, it looks cool. Um, it's going to be Paul Allor writing it. Ariel Metal is uh, doing the art. Sarah I'm just going to say though, they couldn't come up with a fifth Street Fighter to pitch against the five turtles here. Yeah, uh, who? I mean. If you're not going to want to use one of the bad guys, you can still throw in like um, Sakura or I'm just kidding, you idiot. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> um, you can still throw in like Sakura. You can still throw in like E Honda. You can throw in like Blanca. There's yeah. lots of options here. There are yeah, plenty of street isn't fighters. On there. Yeah, he's like one of the most popular guys, man. You know, it's maybe like they were like, okay, we got the four Street Fighters on the cover. You know that there's five turtles now, right? There are fuck. Oh, they, you know? Well, look, it looks like the yeah. artist may have just ducked one in. Yeah, they kind of. Oh, I forget her name, but the one who's not like uh, Mikey yeah, Don. I don't remember. Gafford, uh, Leo, Samora, yeah. Samora, something like that. I feel bad for not knowing it, but it's just like yeah, I'm not. I don't like. I don't read the comics too religiously. I just kind of yeah. know of her. Yeah, she's great though. But anyway, yeah. Here's some interiors. I mean, dude, I don't know the characters in half the fucking books I read. The only reason I know the four Ninja Turtles is because I've known it since I was like eight years old. Oh, yeah. I mean, if you don't know the four Ninja Turtles, even people who have never seen an episode or read a comic probably know who the four Ninja Turtles are. Yeah, and they're named after like famous, you know, artists. So that's. I will say, though, this art looks fantastic. Ooh, look at that. That's a good shot. There is a great shot. But anyway. Guile. (laughs) Yeah, there were some hints here that uh, Mikey and Shun Lee will have an unlikely bond. Oh God! I know. I, I my mind immediately went in the gutter there. It better um, not be. And then Raph and Guile will have a rivalry uh, and a mutual respect. That's I can see it. Yeah, it really looks great. I'm hoping for it just to be big, dumb, stupid fun. But what, Shredder gonna get with a uh, Vega, whatever his name is, right? It, uh, exactly yeah, in Bison. Same. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, but it's, yeah, it's got to be Bison and. I don't know. We'll see. What I mean, happens. there's different ones they could use, but Bison yeah. is like the iconic Street Fighter bad guy. So yeah, yeah he's if yeah. like if you're seeing the team up right, you go for the most iconic iterations, right? Yeah, and it depends on what continuity they're using because Shredder's kind of like a good guy right now, which is kind of yeah. weird. I know. I mean, but, I'm sure we'll see like Bebop and Rocksteady teaming oh, up with time. like Sagat and uh, Vega and Balrog. Yeah, you know. Time. Yeah. And and that's what I'm hoping for. I'm hoping for big, dumb, stupid. That was not a knock. That's something I absolutely want to see in this comic. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. exactly. Yeah, I'll probably check that out. Looks fun. Yeah, it does. Uh, That's coming out in IDW in May. Moving on. Food news. Mmm, yummy. 
Got some gross ones. Well, I don't know. It might be gross. Uh, Charles Barkley is doing a thing for the All-Star game for the Legend. Uh, is introducing a one-time only release of hot dog flavored Ruffles. Okay. Glass. If they got that right, that no. could be okay. But I am immediately suspicious of hot dog flavored anything. Yeah, except even hot dogs. Even hot dog flavored hot dogs. Like, did yeah. he really? Yeah. 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 I mean, not hot, dogs, hot dogs Hot dogs are a gross food, just like objectively. They are gross. You know? They are, they are, they are a grosser version of, like, Bologna. sausage and, like, uh... And brats, and those are already kind of gross to start with. You know? True, they're delicious. Brats are delicious. Watch your mouth. But brats yeah, are way better are than hot dogs. I'm just yeah. saying. You know, the only time I like a hot dog is when it's a cold hot dog at the ballpark. You know, yeah, I mean? yeah, that's cold that's hot dog time. sounds revolting to me. Uh, it's at the ballpark. You know, warm beer and a cold hot dog. Okay, but like if you strip that all away and you just told me this was like meat flavored ruffles, I'd be like, okay, if they got that right, that's not a bad idea. Yeah, I don't know. How about that tie he's wearing, just covered in hot dogs? That looks like a very Charles Barkley tie. That's so stupid. All right, lastly on food news, uh, not too bad, I think. Cheetos Flamin' Hot Tangy Chili Fusion. What? Unlike any Cheetos flavor before. January 16th, these are out, so you can find them in stores now. I haven't been able to locate any uh, my stores. Yeah, it's a shame David's not here. We could send him out on assignment. Yeah, so I'm looking for them, dude, and I'm going to eat them. But this seems I like it could be a good idea. Cheeto. Yeah, I love a hot Cheeto. I mean, the the consensus is in on hot Cheetos. You know, they are a proven success. I mean, I'm not a big fan of them, but, you know, I recognize that that's a me thing, not a Cheetos thing, because people fucking love these flaming Hot Cheetos. Oh, they're delicious. They're yeah. so good. They're so good. Awesome. That's it. Let's do comics. Did you get comics this week? I got comics this week. Ooh. Pretty helpful on a comics-related show that we do. You can split the load this week here, Comer. Man, I bet you had a big bite, too, having to get all those other ones. Uh, anyway, Yeah, man, I had a bit of a backlog. Man, three could have been so many things for me, so I'm going to wait and mention those at the end of the show, just in case you're going to mention them. But uh, I'll give a shout-out to a book that was brand-new Image Comic release this week called The Last Barbarians. Um, Brian Haberlin, a Gerard Van Dyke, um, Brian Haberlin helping out in the art too, actually, but really solid start to a really familiar fantasy story. You know, we've heard this before, but it was just really well done. It had its own sort of, of, uh, spirit to it. It, it was okay. just really good. It was it so, was, uh, a simple meal. Well-made exactly simple meal. Yeah. Well-made, uh, my number three this week was easily, not easily debatably, Nightcrawlers. This was almost my number three, too, but I bumped it down to honorable mention. But uh, I just oh didn't want to have too much X stuff. Oh, <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. I, all the X books this week, except Marauders, could have been in my top three. But this was a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. Sizebury or Paco Medina uh, finally making Bamp Snick the thing. Um, there's not really much else to say here. Sins of Sinister just keeps continuing to be good. I mean, yeah. I got this just because of all these cool, you know, it's kind of hard to see, but Wagnerine. Wall crawler, anti fortune, which is just dumb. Uh, Mother Righteous, that was the big reveal in this, yeah. Movie. Um, um, and then uh, Dr. Stasis, of course, but um, yeah, Mother, yeah. Righteous so, our, our final sinister has been revealed, yeah, yeah. Our heart sinister, yeah. And we kind of were leaning in that direction, I remember, in one of these episodes when we were, didn't we kind of mention her? We might have, yeah, I don't know, maybe we not. might have, but um. But it makes yeah. sense. It's one of those things where, like, it definitely seems obvious now that it's been revealed. Exactly, you know? exactly. Um, but really, what this is is just a bunch of min- Mister Sinister Chimera using Nightcrawler, um, and he makes a bunch of different Nightcrawlers blended, mixed with other genes from other mutants to make these wild combinations. And they're basically his hit squad, and he's going after what appears to be a Banshee and a weird. Ghost Rider? I wasn't quite sure I had my finger on. That was something from the um, the Way of X uh, type of stuff they've been doing. Uh, or not Way of X, whatever it is now. Um, yeah, the other side Legion for- of X, Legion of X. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, that was a, if we, that is something to be said for this book. If you haven't been keeping up with Legion of X, there are some stuff that they don't really walk you through very well. Like who is the purple, the purple skull guy? Is that's that- really it's Banshee combined with not a spirit of vengeance, but like a spirit of something else. It's oh, something oh, Ghost Rider. That. It's Ghost Rider adjacent, but it's not a Ghost <laughs> yeah. Rider. Yeah, 
Yeah, maybe that's why I immediately went to Ghost Rider, not just because. Oh was well, I mean, small, but it's definitely. Uh, I remember reading. Yeah, it's definitely evoking Ghost Rider. I mean, you can't yeah. do flaming skulls, especially in the Marvel universe, without it being Ghost Rider. Yeah, you know? No shit, no shit. Uh, but, but yeah, yeah this was a lot solid. of fun, pretty and solid. like, th- I feel like this sets up like the. I feel like we finally know what's really going on with the books here. Um, it's a sinister war, you know. Yes. It looks like a. Yeah. Uh, Immortal X-Men is going to be following our Mr. Sinister. Um, it looks like uh, Nightcrawler's here is going to be following Mother Righteous. And it looks like uh, Storm and the Brotherhood is going to be following Orbis Stellaris. Yeah. And then, of course, Stasis gets cacked in this issue. Right, right, right. Spoilers. Um, yeah, exactly. Well, that's, that's what we do. But anyway, this was basically promoted as a new Age of Apocalypse, and that's exactly what we're getting. We're getting yeah, cool I mean, it's the Age of Sinister. That is straight yeah, up what this is. Exactly. And that's 100%. that's not a bad thing. Sinister has been a lot of fun in a yeah. lot of books for <laughs> years now. He was yeah. great in Hellions. He's been great in Immortal X-Men. He was great in uh, Hickman's books when and he was still sword. writing it. The sword, the X of Swords, he was in that to a great extent. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, Sinister has been a highlight for a lot of years now. And him being the star of the show now and, it, yeah, basically being his Age of Apocalypse, it's a real hoot. I'm enjoying this event a lot. Yeah, and it's still all revolving around the Moiras and him being able to reset. And, and that's, yeah. like, uh, I mean, it is kind of away from him. You know, That is a fun idea that, like, this is all a testament to the power of being able to save scum. Exactly. Have a save point. Yeah. Uh, awesome. Honorable mentions and number three. Okay, so uh, Nightcrawlers, I'll say, was one of my honorable mentions. I enjoyed it a lot. Um, X-Men number 19 was another um, honorable mention. I have that on the, my honorable mentions as well. I didn't want to mention it because I thought you might have had it in there. Just it was close. It could have been. But, um, book. Yeah, it it was a lot of fun. It's basically them just throwing down with the brute. I don't know why Polaris is on the cover of this issue because she was yeah, not she in it. In the book. Monet yeah. was in it. Maybe they were going to put her in there instead of Monet. Maybe, but... or they could have done Firestar. She had a big part in the book. Yeah. I'm a huge fan of Penance. So it's from back in the Peter David X factor investigation. Yeah. Dude. And I can tell that Gary Dugan has a lot of fondness for writing forge because he has, oh, he has been a, he's had a, a real center stage for a lot of these uh, X-Men issues. So far. yeah. Um, the shit with great shit with the brood sink and Talon are amazing in this. I love yeah. her new name Talon Firestar and Iceman Dugan. Like you said, he's just doing so much in this book and it's, it's just a whole lot of fun. It's a little haphazard here. And yeah. There. You know, a little bit. Sometimes, sometimes things lose focus, um, but it doesn't really matter. It's just having fun. Yeah, enjoying this a lot. Um, final honorable mention for Avengers Forever, number 14. Nice. It's uh, Avengers versus like an army of dooms, including like Doom the Living Planet here. Yeah, I, w- I almost said Mogo Doom. And I'm like, wait, no, wrong. <laughs> wrong no, no, we're Ego in Marvel. If it was yeah, um, if it was DC, Mogo. then it's Mogo. Yeah, but, nice. but yeah, um, I mean, this is, there's nothing I can say about this that I couldn't have said about like every issue of Avengers that's come out the last few weeks. Yeah. It's so over the top. It's so... Let's get all the toys out of the toy box and smash them together, and it's a whole lot of fun. So yeah. this book's been been a lot of fun. You're right, but all over the place, all yeah. fun all over the place. Uh, my actual number three this week, though, is Fantastic Four number four. Man, spoiler alert! That's my number one book of the week. All Go right. Ahead. Well, it Go is. Ahead. It's easy to see why because this this book has so much charm. It has so uh-huh. much personality to it. Yep. You know. Yep. Um, it's cool to see the FF like going out there and doing work. It's cool to see the the interpersonal dynamics, and it's really cool to see like the so, like they've been building up to like this big terrible thing that Reed did, and you definitely get it. You know when we get there, I can definitely understand why yeah. Ben and Alicia are so fucking pissed at him. But yeah, I mean, you know, he's he's forgiven at the end, rightfully yeah. so, because he's he's too smart for his own good. And I love that that is Reed Richards' weakness. His, this is my power. This is my weakness. You know what I mean? Yeah. They just, Ryan North just lays it over so hard on here that you're reading it as a reader and you're like, holy shit, I can't believe that was, that's what he came up with. Yeah. I mean, Ryan North, I think, definitely gets the Reed Richards character a lot because it's easy to see Reed and like see, like, man, he is an asshole. He is. He is an asshole, but he's an asshole who does care. At the like, it's buried underneath a lot of like, well, this is for the greater logic. good. Oh, well, this is the smart thing to do. Logic. Yeah, and all this logic, but he got no he, heart. 
he has a heart like it's bare it's hard to see and they pointed out in this issue right it's that squishy. like it's squishy it's, like him yeah it's so easy to forget but like reed richards is a deeply empathetic yeah. man he's a deeply caring man he yeah. just he gets lost like in all of his like you know logic application and things like that yeah um, but I will say that it is a little forced that like they couldn't come up with any other way to stop this invasion from the negative zone. Well, and, and you say that I can understand that, but I think Ryan North and especially that Coelho art really sort of pushed how frantic things were. Like things they were did, in they a did. dire strait here, you know. But there wasn't like a single Avenger or Doctor Strange. Of course come not. Into no, you have to yeah. ignore the rest of the universe. You have to ignore it. Why doesn't Superman show up every time Batman is in trouble? Because Batman said so? No. You know, that's a good point. That like, yeah. you know, when you are reading these comics, you do have to accept that, you know, our heroes are going to be the one to solve yeah. the problem. You know? that. Yeah. Well, anyway, some background on what Reed actually did. Sorry. Uh, he, yeah. There was an invasion from the negative zone. Like it is, yeah. Yeah, like it happens. It was around the Baxter building. So what he did was he had every all the had basically Johnny and, and Sue keep everybody in the area while you know the thing was punching the shit out of everybody. Alicia was down there in the fight somehow, just bad timing. Um anyway, Reed comes up with the plan to displace time in a way where all the bad guys would get zapped to a different part of the solar system in space while the in that immediate moment, but while everybody else would have that happen just a year later, but to them, it would be instantaneous. And he thought, oh, that's a great idea. I'm saving these people, but they're going to be out of time, displaced from time, not even exist for an entire year of our time, meaning yeah. parents are without their children. Um, parents or children are without their fucking parents. Well, how are you going to work? Work on fire you in, in six weeks. You know, yeah, um, yeah. It's just he, like all these other problems. But I like how Ryan North sort of simultaneously builds on that societal pressure, but like puts it on Reed. Like Reed's like, "Oh, I'm the fucking hero, man! Look what I did! I, I saved everybody." Well, like, yeah, like, that was the man. Again, I think I he has like Reed down pretty well here because like this is a greater good. You know, yes. this is definitely the lesser of two evils. But Reed jumps to the lesser of two evils so damn quick. You know. Yeah. 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 I just, I love everything about it. Uh, the side story that get, brings them all together where Alicia and Ben are sort of stuck in a rock formation, that was a little weird. Like, that was just an excuse to tell the story. You know, nah, I, I think Ryan North's smarter than that. I think that's a clue to stories that are going to be coming up. Some sort now of they're parasite, the four again. Yeah. You know, now they're the four. They again. are. They now are. They're together. The band is back together again. And, yeah. Uh, great. Great issue, yeah. dude. Great choice for number three, man. I had such a good time. I, I think it's time to retire this book because I had such a good time with it. Um, all right, that leads to me. Sorry, I did take most of the talking because I had such a damn good time with that book this week. Well, it was so, your number one, so it makes sense to me. Yeah. Uh, my number two this week is a, a debut from Image Comics called Torrent Number One. It's Mark Guggenheim and Justin Greenwood. Uh, this is basically your superhero deconstruction of sorts. Our protagonist is a hero, okay? But she's also a mother and a wife. So she's a hero and a homemaker. Um, the villains uh, find her, figure out who she is. They murder her family. And she's about to break bad in a big way. Big way. From happy-go-lucky hero and homemaker to a hardcore vigilante. Tones of the Punisher here, but just in the best of ways, revamped. Um, amazing, you know, a little bit of a throwback, I think, to the art. It's a little cartoony. But I really enjoyed it. Hyper violent, you know. I love that sort of shit, and yeah, just really, really well done. And I mean, it does seem like a good twist on like Punisher, but blank. Exactly. It's it is a thing on the Punisher, but we didn't see Punisher break bad. What we see with the Punisher is how terrible his past was that actually led to their being a yeah, final I mean, straw on the camel's back. Right? He showed up as an antagonist yeah. for Spider-Man originally. That's exactly. easy for people to forget. But yeah, yeah, that was his tragic villain story, not yeah. his like yeah, not his like uh his yeah. origin issue. Yeah. Yeah. But this is is kind of like that, but it's like this this hero takes a complete 180 and you can see exactly why they do it. And it was just really, really well done by Guggenheim and Greenwood. They leaned into it exactly as far as they needed to, when they needed to. The pacing was perfect. It sped up, it slowed down. Just really just a fantastic comic book issue, man. Fantastic. 
Second best thing I read this week. Uh, so yeah, it's my number two. What? Yeah, I guess your... we're done with your list. Then, but, yeah, um, we're done with my list. What's your um, number two? Better late than never. My number two is Swamp Thing. Green Hell number oh, two. Oh my gosh, it was fantastic. Where the hell yeah. is Swamp Thing? Oh man, it was so good. But was it worth like a year wait time? No, no I don't num- think anything could be. Issue but... number one of this dropped on December 29th, 2021. Oh man. I know. Over a year ago then. Yeah. Uh, pretty. I think it's per- worth the wait. Doug Monkey had some personal and family issues. Oh, sure, sure, sure. And it's I don't, hard to beat that art. I don't want to be one of those like shitheads who's like, get it out now. But mm. you know, if you got shit going on, you got shit going on, you know? Mm-hmm. But yeah, like all these trippy visuals, like the problem of the trees and like the fu- when like all the like plant animal like rot monsters are crawling out of the ocean together. Oh, yeah, yeah, I should have grabbed that page because no, that was a good one too, though. A swamp thing yeah. like fighting them and like Constantine yeah. just being such a magnificent bastard in just this, a snarky you know? asshole. I love it. Oh, it's so good. But yeah, so I mean, good. this is the perfect book for someone like Jeff Lemire, where you can take all these like weird esoteric things like the the red, the green and the black and like yeah. just give him like a playground like and it's on like, you know, a post-apocalyptic like last refuge of humanity. It's such a fucking hoot. I can't believe um, this isn't in, like an incontinuity book. I can't believe they don't do more with the red and the green and the black. I, I it just boggles my mind. It feels like such a, so, a great way to build an entire team. When they do the book like that, dude. when they do the black label stuff, it's either because it's like you know graphic, you know, like quote unquote right. like adult material, which kind of is going on here. But really, bit. I think this is black label because. They don't want this to be thought of as like incontinuity. Hey, that's exactly. My and it is like in a post-apocalyptic setting, yeah. so yeah, they can that's just exactly my. They can just slap a black label on that and be like, "Okay, nerds, you don't have to worry about right. like where in the timeline this is." Right. Uh, yeah, great choice. Uh, again, was it worth the wait? Hard to say. Hard to say. But it was a damn good issue, you damn know. Good issue. Um, all right, so that was his number two. Uh, my number one has already been said, Fantastic Four. There's only one possible book that could be your number one this week, man. Yeah, you called it Wolverine number 30. It, 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 I retired this book, but yes, this is a perfect comic book issue. Go ahead. Go ahead. This is really fantastic stuff. I mean, you probably have heard me and others talking so like the last few weeks about just like what a fucking bastard beast has become but like he is out here murdering children he is out here like doing the worst like cover-up shit in this issue and wolverine finally catches up to him and just like fucking disembowels him it is really cathartic i have that i have that but then like he's not fucking done yet because he had his own like little resurrection pod sitting and ready to go genius genius yeah I mean, but how yeah. somebody got a headquarters like that and you don't know they're evil? Come yeah, on, man. he's Come literally on. like that's <laughs> that's basic. What's the name of Skeletor's lair? It's basically that. Yeah, Snake Mountain. Yeah. Yeah, he's basically Dr. Fucking Evil here. Okay. Yeah. I mean, yeah, he's in his yeah, fucking supervillain skull yeah. waterfall lair. But. but I mean, this panel right here, this series of panels where Wolverine's like, you see this? You see this? Snick Snacks? Dude, that is brilliant fucking yes. writing for this character. It's genius right ben percy i don't know how he manages to make wolverine so fucking threatening without this being like a m rated book you know yeah for sure yeah oh man so good but then there's this genius yeah he's using jeff banister brilliantly oh, you know my goodness he's this is such a fun so character that well. he's introduced and just like all the spy muckety buck and like beast has got everyone like turning on each other and you don't yes. know who to trust and just yes it's it's brilliant this is one of the best wolverine stories i have ever read what? it's it's probably up there dude and i've read all of them i've read every wolverine story there's a lot of wolverine runs that come to mind like uh jason aaron had a great run back in the day and jason i count aaron, his wolverine and the x-men uh, as part of that too yeah. jason um, aaron i'm pretty sure wrote the man in the pit which i think is my i think he's i believe writer. you are right yeah that's my favorite wolverine story of all time the man in the pit it's a short it's a one shot but i uh i love it so that is much. really damn good yeah um he, uh, i mean What's his name? Who's doing all that shit for Netflix? Mark Millar. He's written some. Mark some Millar great. has some damn good Wolverine stuff. Oh, that was Old goodness. Man Logan and everything. Um, yeah, that Frank was Old Mi- Man Logan. He also did. Frank um, Miller, of course, back oh, in the day. Frank had some Miller. Great Wolverine. Oh, uh, 
Jeez, but, and then Claremont as well, if we're going way back. But yeah. Silvestri even did some good shit. On but yeah, line. Ben Percy, though, he is he is making a run here. He is building yeah. up a strong case for this being the best Wolverine run of all time. The thing about it is, I'm not sure if it would be as good without X-Force. And I know it would be a lot different if it wasn't for the Krakoan Age. But I that's genuinely not really think his- you can... You can that's, okay, so it does have to fit within the Krakoan status quo and everything, but like, yeah. I feel like you can read this on its own, and it would still be a really damn good book. All you have to know is like who Wolverine is, and like, oh, and they tell you that, yeah, and they tell you he's an X Force, you know. And oh, and this that. is like a like the last issue in particular where he's like fighting like the pit. Oh, it's awesome, dude. When he's really yeah. fighting himself. Oh, it's yeah. This is brilliant stuff, and yeah, it had to be my number one. Yeah. Yeah, great choice. Again, best thing I read this week. The only thing I can complain right, about. It's retired. It's retired. Yeah, I can. I definitely understand retiring. But like the only complaint I can make about it is like I'm never going to be able to look at Beast the same way again. Yeah, I a character can. I they'll, liked. They'll, he was one of my favorite X-Men. You know? They'll change that. It's Once hard the toys to get are past back this. In the box, nah, I'm sure that eventually they're just going to write it like it never happened. They'll have the redemption arcs. And maybe I'll change my mind someday. Yeah. But like this is one of those things where like this is such a breaking bad Thing Isn't for he him. acting a little sinistery? Maybe it's Maybe that. Mr. Sinister got over on him. Maybe they have an out to help this guy. I mean, I'm sure that they'll, like, if not, I mean, I'm sure somewhere down the road they'll be like, oh, well, I had a brain parasite the whole time. Oh, man, I was acting yeah. terrible, you know? But the Mr. Sinister shit would actually work in in the story. You know, That would be a lot of fun. Of yeah. yeah, yeah. I don't uh, know that that's what they're doing, but I guess I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, to save him. They have to save Beast, man. I mean, he's Beast. You kind of have to save him. I don't know. He's anyway, one of the classic X Men. It's kind of yeah, weird. One of the anyway, yeah. So, yeah, that's uh, my uh, that's my list. Awesome! It was a great week of books. There's going to be even a better week of books next week. Maybe find out tomorrow, Monday, when we do our uh, Monday night show. We'll talk about all the new books coming out. Uh, Dave should be here for that. So, uh, if you like Hell what yeah. you're here, go check out the bullies, Leroy and Eli, doing a pop culture show on these channels as well as their own. Uh, don't miss out. That's a shit ton of fun. If you want links to what they got going on, go to outrakeecrew.com. You can also get everything that we've got going on up there. It's a really fun landing page. It's just a bunch of links to shit that you can go check out. Also, check out the group. Go to Facebook. Search groups for Outrake Eakery. Andy's over there killing it all the time. So much fun over there. Uh, again, thanks, everybody, for hanging out. But most of all, thanks to this guy for hanging out with this guy. Good times. We are going to do it again. Next time. Same geek time, same geek channel.